This is the Vert Force Podcast. I'm your host, Kimber. Our show helps active duty military spouses land virtual careers. We interview virtual work influencers to uncover the secrets of mobile work. If you want income sustainable from anywhere in the world, this is the podcast for you. Hey, Vert Force. Happy Tuesday night. I am shocked that we made it on tonight after all the technical errors we've had over the past two days. But Kristen, we persevere, do we not? Yes, we do. (laughs) I'm here with military spouse, virtual career veteran. Okay, she's worked virtually for more than 10 years. She is an expert in career happiness and she's here to talk to you. Open Q&A. We can discuss anything you want tonight. I'm here with Kristen Earp. Kristen, do you want to say hello to the community? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. And in a true military style, military wife style or spouse style, um, my kids are right outside the door and just there may be some loudness as we try to go on tonight, but nothing new for anyone, I think. Uh, totally fine. I think we're all used to that. <laughs> Kids and dogs. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, tell me what you're doing this evening. What's your Tuesday night looking like? And please say hello to Kristen in the comments and share with us what's going on in your week. All right. So we have a list of questions to get to this evening. How we're going to do this is we had about four questions we wanted to, to do first. And then we want to open it up to the community. Everyone in VertForce, you can ask whatever you want to ask Kristen. So if you have questions and you want to drop your frustrations, concerns, you can drop that in the comments now. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Our first question this evening comes from our VertForce family member, Nunia. Nunia says, can you please share some ways to frame re-entering the workforce after being out of the workforce for an extensive period of time? This is uh, such a relevant question for our group. So Nunya, thank you for posing it. We all take time off from our careers uh, at times, either for caregiving, for children, you know, the moves. We, we do a lot, even maybe some health issues that we experience ourselves. And so re-entering into the workplace can seem a little overwhelming and challenging. So I really appreciate this question. And I just have some notes over here. I wanna make sure I give you guys all the good stuff. One of the things that I recommend is to let your network know what you're doing. Let your family know, let your friends know, let acquaintances, former colleagues. I'll tell you that when I wanted to make my career change, I contacted four people I went to college with and graduated in 2002, so a long, long time ago. (laughs) And um, all of them, I just said, hey, I'm trying to do this. Could you give me some of your time? And all of them reached back out. I talked to all of them. They gave me great suggestions, one in which I went forth with a coaching certification. And that's really where I am here today. So let people know what you're doing. Let them know you had a little stretch. Be transparent. I, I took some time off to raise my children. Um, and now I'm coming back into the workforce. So let your network know. Also get your resume ready. If you're, you're not having a job that you're putting it to, but what if you talk to somebody and they go, I know somebody that you should talk to. Do you have a resume? Do you have your LinkedIn profile? So if you don't want to highlight maybe when your last job is, do more of that functional resume. Really put the skills forward that you want and, and have that ready. Maybe even your elevator pitch Um, Just be ready to when somebody goes, hey, I got something for you, have it ready to go. And then my last big one is patience. I know we hate this word, (laughs) especially (laughs) for some of us that are maybe more seasoned. It can be a little harder sometimes to get back in. And so, like I said, work with that network and, and reach out. Anything you want to add, Kimber, that has that you can think of or has worked for you? I I love that you touched on letting your network know what you're doing. So I think I would just add work on building that network too. If you don't have a strong presence on LinkedIn, I highly recommend that you take advantage of that and just be, be open about where you are and where you want to be. And then my follow-up to that is really frame where you want to be. 
do some evaluating and identify where your heart is and where you see yourself. Your resume is just is just a small part of that package. You need a great resume. You need a great cover letter. And you need a great network, which I like that network was number one. I was going to say um, two things, actually, is not just a no- support network, too, because in being that patience and and it, they can be there for you to rally, but also in the network, use it as breadcrumbs. Right. So when I called those friends of mine from years ago, I didn't just let it stay there. I'm like, is there an organization I should be talking to? Do you know of right. somebody else? And keep putting it out there and keep following the bread trails. If I if I reflect back on how much I did that, there's so many people I connected with and met, and they were warm introductions, not cold introductions. So that made a big difference to say so-and-so recommended I talk to you. I remember one tool that I used when I was looking for work after I had relocated to Denver, Colorado. I didn't know anyone there, but I knew where I wanted to work. So I just hopped on my LinkedIn and I just started asking everyone who I could find with common connections to that company if they could provide a warm introduction. And I think that's a a big tool that military spouses can use. Don't be afraid to ask your connections for warm introductions, which is, this is my friend, Nunya. She's re-entering the workforce. I'd love to introduce her to you. That's such a useful tool for a military spouse. Agreed. Nunya, I hope this helped you understand better how to frame re-entering the workforce after you've been out for a while. Uh, Let us know if you have additional questions. So I'm going to check the comments for a moment. We've got Kim Woods who says hi from Central Florida. Hey, Kim. Becky Blamiris. Becky, I hope I'm not butchering that. She says hi from gymnastics. She's watching, but at gymnastics with her kids, I guess. Maybe she's at gymnastics. Who knows? Um, hello. We're glad you're watching. If, you, if you're watching and you're getting a lot of value out of what we're talking about tonight, give us some love. Show us some emojis. Uh, drop a comment. Tell us how, what you're feeling right now, what you'd like Kristen to answer. All right. So we'll move on to the next question. This one is from Tanya. Tanya says, my main struggle is that I don't know where to start. I'm an entrepreneur and I've been running a brick and mortar company for eight years. After marrying my active duty husband and preparing to relocate, I need to find a virtual career that I can grow and move with. I have experience in staff management, HR, accounting, sales and marketing, social media, supply ordering, and inventory, customer service, graphic design, and all the other elements that go into running a small business. Yeah, Tanya, it sounds like you're a jack of all trades. I don't even know what type of job to look for with this kind of resume. How can I focus my search? This is another great question. Jack of all trades is exactly right. I'm sitting here thinking she can do anything she wants to do. I think the big question is, what do you want to do? You have quite an impressive background. Uh, Narrowing your search starts with what you want to do. So from all these things that you've done, where do you enjoy spending your time? And that's where I would direct you to go first. And of course, um, as Kimber had said earlier, it's maybe even checking in with what aligns with your values and where you want to step with that. Because you have all this experience and it's just moving forward with the skill sets that you want to either challenge yourself with or you want to dive deeper in with. But that's that's where I would say you focus is get the clarity of what you want to do first. That's a good point. So how do you recommend acquiring clarity? Because I, I feel like clarity is this kind of ambiguous term. Yes. It kind of intimidates me a little bit because sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I don't have clarity. And then my heart starts to race. And then I start to kind of really wonder, well, what the heck is clarity and how do I get it? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, like, it's, it, there's moments where you go, aha, that's what I want, right? There's those mm-hmm. moments of clarity, but I find more than, you know, and, and again, I use this, I was using this example the other day. Some people know from when they were five years old that they want to be a veterinarian when they grow up. 
And therefore they go to school and they have this very long career helping animals or whatever it is. Some people have that, but most people will probably switch things around as they get older. And so clarity is really a process of knowing your values and knowing where you want to go. Because as you get older, you will have more wisdom around things you know you like to do and the things you don't like to do. And you'll also want to challenge yourself. So clarity will be evolving. Um, but there are those moments where you feel like, ah, I have it um, as well. So it can be a little bit of both. Oh, what does that feel like for you? So for me, I think it's, you know, personally, I was in a job that I felt like wasn't really fitting my values. I don't think I was very clear on what my values were. When I really came clear on my values, my aha was I need to quit my job. And it wasn't like, real. I mean, there's, it's bittersweet. I was with my job, mm-hmm. for, I was with my company for 14 years. Um, it was clarity that I need to do this in order to be realigned again. Uh, So it was bittersweet. But then in other circumstances, I'll be listening to a military spouse in something they're passionate about. And the aha will be like, I can help them. I can help pair that that they're with, with the mindset and mindfulness that I do. It would be awesome. And those kinds of things happen for me a lot because I am aware now of what I value and what's important to me. You know, you talk about, I knew that I needed to leave my job in order to become more aligned. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did you know you were out of alignment? You know, in that, in that moment, how did you identify this is, this is not for me. This is not the path for me. I don't know where I need, maybe you did know where you needed to be, but what was that trigger for you? So, and I don't know, you guys can pipe in too, if you have, you know, in the comments, if you've had similar, but I knew from college what I wanted to do. When I took that first psychology 101 class, I knew that I wanted to help people. And I deviated when I met my husband. I was at Johns Hopkins and I was getting my master's and I Mm -hmm. had to decide to leave that in order to follow him around. And at that time, there was no LinkedIn, there was no virtual Um, social media networking like there is today. So I got into a new program. I was like, this is what I want to do. And we move again. And nobody wants me for this new cool thing I have. I got pulled back into training. I love training and I love consulting. And actually, those are the I like training, consulting and coaching. Those are the three things I love. So this company that I was with cultivated that for a while. Then they moved me to be a product manager. Now, I was up to the task that's you know, time management, connecting people, lots of skills that are very relevant for the buckets I like, but I, mm-hmm. got, I didn't have the foresight that I didn't want to stay there for five years. I, that would have more of like, if I look back, I should have said, these are cool skills. I only want to cultivate these for one to two years and move somewhere else. But mm-hmm. I didn't do that. And I got stale with my other skills. So got the coaching certification. Through that, I realized my values are service, connection, and growth. Those are those are the values that I can't live without. And how I knew was knowing what I know now is I was starting to get resentful. I was starting to feel like something was missing from my life. I started to go, well, I can't quit my job. It's great money, flexible hours. It's virtual. I mean, I should just suck it up and just stay here. It works for everybody else. But that resentment meant that I was, my value was either getting stepped on or the the feeling like something was missing was because I didn't have the connection anymore that I had. I wasn't growing and I wasn't serving the way I wanted to serve. So that's Mm -hmm. how I knew that I was not aligned anymore. That's so helpful. Yeah. That, that really puts perspective onto it. So for Christy, Christy, it sounds like you need to do what Kristen did and identify what your values are, right? Like what makes you tingle? I mean, Kristen, you told me something yesterday that was like, oh no, another new vocabulary term. <laughs> but you're talking about body wisdom. And, yes. and and Christy, speaking to your situation, you said you don't know where to start. Maybe don't look at it from a strategic point, but look at it from a heart point. What are your values? Where do you want to work? What do you want to be doing? And what can you most align with? And hopefully what hopefully what Kristen just did for us is kind of describe what is alignment and how do we find it? 
And how do we know when we're not aligned? So if you're in a position where you're starting to feel some of those red flags, like resentment, and maybe it's more stressful than it is rewarding, then you're probably out of alignment with the work that you're doing. And that's a good point, because it's not that you can't do the work. It's not that I couldn't be a product manager. Uh, Right. It's that at some point I stayed too long and um, I, I got what I got from it and it was time to move on. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kristen. I'm sure there are a lot of people with Invert Force who have had that similar experience. You know, I think that one was from Tanya, not Christy. Sorry, Tanya, I was getting your name mixed up with Christy's um, just yes. because of formatting the way I have them formatted. Sorry, ladies. This one is from Christy. She just kind of listed out her frustrations. So she has five. I'll read them off to everybody. Christy says, I keep ending up at a job with no promotion potential. I do have a master's degree, but there are no positions offered through virtual job boards that match my education and qualifications. We did reach back out to Christy to ask her what her degree was in, but I haven't heard a response yet. I live in an isolated area where there are a few networking opportunities, and I want to move into a consulting or management position, but I'm not sure which steps to take to make that happen or training to pursue. And I need help with an elevator pitch and expressing myself without oversharing. These are all great questions just even in themselves. So we could take a little bit of time and go through each one as I'm sure there are many people have the same questions. I resonate very much with ending up in a job with no promotion potential. Um, The job I was in was a very small virtual company. There really wasn't an upward mobility in there. So I go back to know your values and really start to know where you want to step. Because if you create a, a flexible career plan for yourself, then you can choose that when you apply to a job. Say I did go to this virtual company, you know, with this plan. And I know that coaching, training, consulting is where I want to go. If the company doesn't have those opportunities but has skills that I want, make the plan of how long you want to stay to get those skills, like I said, and where you think you might top out. In a year or two, you might decide, I really like it, I want to stay more, but knowing that you give yourself a time frame to cultivate skills. Otherwise, see if the company will create the path. That is something I tried with my organization. They did put together a pilot for coaching, um, and that was something that I was really happy with. But because the organization was so small, it couldn't sustain it. So you can try to create the opportunities that you want also within your current job if you have that trust and dependability. But last but not least, it's the interviewing, like your next job. You need to interview your employer. You need to ask them, like, you know, what is a day in a life like of this job? I have other skills that I'm interested in growing is there any, you know, lateral lateral moving or, you know, other positions available in the company? You know, what is your growth? You know, again, for me, I will never accept a job that does not have growth. But if I do, I'm only going to stay to get the skills, you know, that that enhance. Once once I stay too long, I already know what that feels like. Have your plan in place. If you can't find that job that offers everything, at least maybe find the stepping stones or I call them like taxi jobs. Like you're going to just drive for a little bit till you get to the one and drive to this one. And that's just kind of how it goes these days. You have anything to add to that, Kimber? I think it also kind of goes back to knowing your core values and knowing where you want to go. Because if you narrow your focus, Christy, these things are going to become a lot. I I feel like maybe in your head, you're seeing big, huge roadblocks and you're becoming frustrated with them. But in reality, this is easy. If you narrow your focus, you narrow your focus and kind of identify what kind of company do you see yourself with and start pursuing it through networking and starting to be open about your vision and where you want to go, sharing that on your LinkedIn network and, and getting out there. These things start becoming a little bit more achievable. And then you know, you have five frustrations listed here. So I just want to encourage you, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So let's focus on one thing at a time. And I would just pick the number one thing that's bothering you 
and reach out to VertForce, support at vertforce.us. And let us see if we can point some point you towards some resources that can can help you start chipping away at this elephant. Even just in uh, Christie's frustrations, I feel we could probably support. I have a lot of resources actually. So the master's degree, even without knowing what your master's degree is, I would say not every master's does lend itself virtually yet. Uh, you know, there's not every job profession does allow it, but we are getting close. I mean, even my doctor, I will tell you, I met them and I went through a procedure and all in between, we did Zoom pictures and I only had to come for stitch removal. I mean, we are getting close. A lot of jobs can be done virtually, but sometimes they all can't be. So when you want to go for a virtual job, consider what it is that you want about it. You know, what is it attractive about it? Is it the flexibility? Is it the you know, work from home? Is it the parts, you know, maybe it's part-time hours. There are ways you can work with your current employers um, and make recommendations and suggestions, you know, for maybe where you currently are to get to what you want, if virtual is what you want. There's also another Facebook group uh, that I'm a part of called Military Spouses with Advanced Degrees. If you have a degree that perhaps somebody else has, you could kick it around to get really creative about what virtual opportunities might be available for you. So there's like, a, it's, it's one that's focused on degrees and, and the questions I see these women have about around, you know, very specific degrees, even great resource, I, I would say. That sounds like a really wonderful resource. It is. They, they have great questions. Living in an isolated area. So I know it's not so isolated, but I did live in Hawaii for eight years. And one of the first things I learned in living in Hawaii was that it's the most remote piece of land on this whole planet. <laughs> so that made me feel even more alone, just FYI. <laughs> Here's where you're going to want to grab uh, a pen and paper because I have lots of ideas and suggestions because I, like I said, lived there for eight years. So when you don't feel like you have a big network or that it's hard to go to networking, Pretty much every place has a chamber of commerce, a small business division center, and a rotary. Get involved. These people have been there for, you know, there's definitely wealth of knowledge there. A lot of the resources you can get for free. I did the business, the small business. They paired me with a veteran who was a coach and consultant. So not only was he in the same profession, he was, you know, a veteran. So he understood my life um, and just free totally free to help me with my business. Utilize these resources. They have events. They have all kinds of things. Eventbrite. If you haven't used eventbrite.com or meetup.com, they always tell you about things that are happening in your area. So just go on and Google your area, see what's going on. That's that's eventbrite.com or meetup.com. Schools. uh, There's all kinds of, you know, things you can go to at school to talk about. Again, this is growing your network from the first question. Libraries, coffee shops. These are all places I went. Uh, and make it yourself. Start something yourself. Start an Eventbrite. Start a meetup. Go to the school. Say, hey, can we do a coffee chat with other parents or you know, networking a little bit once a, once a month? Library, see if you could do a talk. I know it sounds scary, but hey, start to pull together everybody that may be in the same boat as you. Because if you're feeling this way, you know somebody else's too. So hopefully that gave you a lot of places to go. And you can use our Facebook group to help organize that because if you're near a duty station, chances are there are a lot of other spouses who are at that duty station. And I'm sure you could hit all hit a coffee shop together and do a little networking meetup to help share resources. I love that. Thanks, Kristen. Eventbrite is is a really cool tool and Meetup is too. Meetup is is a very effective way to meet new people. It you'll be surprised at the different kinds of people you'll meet there. I actually just went to a networking group last week from Meetup and it was called Lay Tip and it was a really cool little networking group that I just didn't even know existed. So oh, all wow. kinds of cool things. Yeah, it was good. Do you want to chat about her desire to move into management and consulting and her question about her elevator pitch. Yes, I do. I actually have some good information on this. So 
consulting and management is kind of a big umbrella. My first question really would be, you know, here's what I'm going to make up or here's the assumption I'm coming with is that you, uh, Christy, have a subject matter, you're a subject matter expert in something and you want to take that to consulting and managing now. If you are in a current position, uh, see what there is for you moving into that position. If there's not really a program, suggest one. I'm a big proponent of don't wait for somebody to do it for you. Do it yourself. Go and find like a cheap class, a book, something. I love the book Flawless Consultant. I I go to that all the time. His first line in there is if you're giving advice, you're a consultant. The second you open your mouth and give somebody (laughs) advice, you are consulting. Um, If you're looking for something a little bit more educational, like when I did for my coaching certification, it's called the IMC. It's the Institute of Management Consulting would be like right up your alley. This is a group that I believe if you certify with them, it's kind of like a, it's like, like the Mecca of, you know, consulting, but they have events, they have chapter meetings, professional associations with them, as well as any other consulting type groups to kind of see what they did. Cause there's no right way to do something. It's just the way that works for you. So start talking to people and seeing what they did. Um, and this group might be good. This I, it's called IMC. That might be another one. Elevator pitch. I love this. So I'm a proponent of 20 words or less that you really kind of want to leave them with wanting more. You know, when I used to go, oh, people would say, what do you do? I say, I'm a coach. They're like, oh, that's great. And then they go on by, right? Like, no big deal. She's a coach. So uh-huh. I went to this class with this woman. Her name is Rebecca. I think it's Okamoto. I'll have to get the right words if you're interested. She had this class on 20 words or less, but really what it is, is you have to know your target audience. You have to know their problem, pain point, opportunity, whatever it is, and then you know what you're bringing to it. And so now when people say, what do you do? I don't say I'm a coach. I say, I support military spouses in their career and life transitions. And then they'll say, that's kind of cool. What is that about? And I'll say, oh, well, I partner with this company called Vertforce, and I help women with their confidence and their clarity, and I help them go after the jobs they really want. And so then I become like that guy, that person in the back of their heads, you know? Now, if I go to a different event like the Chamber of Commerce where it's not maybe military spouse heavy, uh, I change it up. I have a different one. I'll say, they'll say, what do you do? And I say, um, I support emerging leaders in aligning their potential with their performance. So my target audience is emerging leaders who are new at their job. That's basically my target audience. And their pain point and or benefit is aligning what they could potentially be with their performance. Most organizations go, well, I want some of that because I... I want my employees' potential to match their performance. And they'll say, how do you do that? And I say, oh, I have training on emotional intelligence. I have, um, you know, we do these exercises. We do Myers-Briggs. We work on themselves and in teams. And it just kind of opens that door. And if you notice, I didn't even talk anything about me. I haven't said what I have a degree in. I haven't sat here listing my resume. I'm I'm talking to the people about how I'm going to solve their problems. So that's an elevator pitch. Switch it to like 20 words or less. And you're not pitching yourself. You are solving their problem. What can, what can you do to solve the problem? So it's knowing your audience, knowing their problem, and what you can do for them. I love that. 20 words or less. So I actually wrote down it's your target audience plus the resolution to their pain point. So, but you say knowing your audience and knowing their problem. And was there a third one? So mine is really like when I say I support military spouses with career and life, it's, there's no really like pain point there. It's just what I, it's the benefit of what I do. So it could be target audience. It could be problem. It could be benefit. You could use all three variables. You could use two of them. And so, yeah, if anyone's interested, let me know. I'll send off that class information. She has another one coming up. It was most useful. <laughs> okay, we have one more question from our backlog, and then we're going to hit the questions in the comments. So everybody hang tight. We're going to get to you. We see your questions. 
This question is from Robin. She gives a very thorough description of her situation. I have spent months working to cultivate relationships with others on LinkedIn, researching companies and working my magic to try to impress. I work to stay in touch and try to sprinkle in non-work-related information with work-related. I'm seeking opportunities in the area of people operations, and I am yet to find any positions or companies that will give me the time of day. I can't even land an interview. I've had many informational interviews and impressed them enough to offer to send my resume or to keep me in mind, but then I never hear anything back, and when I reach out to say hi, I don't hear anything about the position that I applied for or where my resume went or anything. I'm really starting to lose faith in ever finding that perfect opportunity. I've done breathing exercises, tried to remain positive, but I'm really worried that I may never find what I'm looking for. And worst of all, that no company will ever give me a chance. What advice do you have for me? Robin, I think a lot of people have felt this way. And if you're watching this video and you're in the same boat as Robin and you feel like you're about to give up, give us some emojis. We want to see where you are and if you can relate to Robin. Kristen, what do you think about this? So this is, this is the tough stuff. Robin, you're doing everything right. You have so much momentum and flow going. It's kind of like the iceberg where it's all happening underneath and you're just, you're just not seeing it yet. I, I would say you are probably on the verge of having a lot of flow and momentum. You are doing all the networking. You are doing all the things. One thing I'd love to talk to you a little more is, is with the, when you're talking to organizations, is it more of what is it more of what you can do for them or are you feeling like you're listing your resume? Because I will tell you that that switch in just the last topic we had with the elevator pitch, when I start from a service perspective of how I can serve an organization or support them, um, it's a completely different conversation than when I start out with, with what I have, you know, why they should take me. And so I asked that just because it was a rookie mistake that I made a lot. And I get so much more when I start from a place of how I can serve an organization. Um, so there's, there's that, that's one thing I want to offer. And sometimes you just have to be with the frustration, you know, you can, you, it's, it's a, it's an energy. It's how you're feeling. You don't push it down. Like you are allowed to feel frustrated. It, you know, the, the job searching today is very impersonal. You don't, you know, there's so many times I've applied to jobs and I want to write back and say, thank you for, you know, you know, thank you for the opportunity. What could I have done more? And I go to send it and it's like a no reply email. So like nobody even sent it to me and it's, it's frustrating. It's very impersonal. So sometimes you just, you have to just let yourself feel that frustration. Just let it happen. However it happens, if it's tears, if it's anger, let the emotion flow through you so that you can release it. What you don't want to do is just stuff it down. Like just make sure you feel it and then move forward. Otherwise you keep carrying it around with you. So that's one thing on frustration, you know, pick up the phone, call somebody, write it out, scream, whatever helps to get the energy. Cause it will pass. It will come through you. I want to share a tip for you, Robin. And Robin commented and said, thanks, guys. I appreciate the love in this group. You guys truly are my tribe. We love you, Robin. Um, and Daniel Faust also commented and he said, on average, there are 2,000 applicants per position. So don't be discouraged. It's a battle, but you will win the war. And Robin, I know you're actually competing for some very high level positions. Uh, Robin is... I know her personally, and I know she's advanced in her career, and so she's looking for one of those almost C-level jobs. So, Robin, that's going to be an uphill climb, but we're here to support you through that. Um, but I do want to recommend a tip that I heard, and I'm going to try to regurgitate it the best of my ability. But even in an informational interview, Kristen said, try to make sure you're not um, you know, just reciting your resume or reciting your qualifications or talking about what you're looking for. But this also kind of goes back to what Kristen said for our last tip for Christy, which is identify this company's pain point 
before you get an opportunity to speak with them. And if you don't, if you're unable to do that, when you're checking, checking in with them, you're talking with them in person, especially if you land an interview, don't be afraid to ask what problems do you need solved within your organization before you even start talking about yourself, before you even start getting into why you would be a good fit for the company, ask them what's wrong. You know, why are they hiring for this position? Why can they not keep it filled the person who was in it before, did they underperform? What needs are not being met? And then that's your opportunity to craft a solution to the problem. Discuss how you can be the solution to the pain point and discuss how you can be the solution to the problems that they have. Kim Woods asks, how do you know what their pain point is? Well, Kim, I'm recommending that you research. You research, yeah, research, try to figure it out on your own. And if you can't, don't be afraid to ask what problems they have. But you got to be quick on your feet and know what's good about you and how you can resolve that. Daniel says, speak their language and the interviewer's style. This this wins the interview. Robin says, great advice. Thanks. I'm going to try to do this more or I've started trying to do this more. Okay, so we're through our, our backlog. Kristen, do you have anything else to add to Robin's issues? I would love for you all to really dump the right, the wrong, the perfect. Um, it's, you know, the, like I said, some of us will know what we want to be, and it'll be a very clear path, like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a this. But for a lot of us, we will have multiple careers in our lives, and there won't be a job that you're going to be, that's where I am for the rest of my life. Um, so really start to look at career happiness as ways that you keep honoring your values, you know, do some check-ins. If it's not every day, check with yourself, you know, every six months is like, is this still the job that I want to do? Is there something that's missing? Is there a challenge? Keep it fresh because career happiness is not about just finding that one job and staying. It's about challenging yourself and keeping yourself fresh and whatever it is that you value. Like that's, that's my tip for, uh, your perfect career will be more about you staying in alignment consistently. And Kristen is an expert on career happiness. And I've personally been turning to her for help on this topic, because I, I don't think that for me, understanding alignment, understanding career happiness, understanding body wisdom, these are skills that I have developed later in life. And I would say within the past year, and especially since I've been in touch with Kristen and working with someone who does it on a daily basis and sort of makes it their their evangelical point in life to help educate people about career happiness, it's, um, it's a journey and it's your own journey. And don't set the bar for yourself too high to begin with. You know, I, I love the phrase, just start, start messy, start ugly. You don't have to land the perfect thing immediately. And if you hold yourself to that expectation, you might be setting yourself up for failure. Well said. So we have questions in the comments. I'd like to turn to those now. And I believe this one is from Judy. Hello, I've worked over 18 years, but never from home. It's exhausting starting over at every duty station. I'd love to work from home, but I'm nervous to take the first step. Have you ever felt like this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Judy. Sounds like you resonate. <laughs> Why don't you say a little more? Judy, I was so nervous that I was going to... when. When I transitioned from an in-office job to a remote job, I was so nervous that I was going to lose my job. I was wondering, do I have the self-discipline? Do I have what it takes to be able to wake up every morning and go to my office and do my job just as if I were there in person? And it quickly faded. Uh, The fear quickly faded. But there are other places in my life where nerves have shown up. The desire to create vert force for military spouses and to create this platform where we can have a safe space to uh, pursue career happiness and pursue remote careers. I was very nervous to create this platform. I was very afraid about how the military spouse community would respond. Uh, would this be something that was well received or not? But I just decided to do it anyway. 
And, you know, we released a podcast this month. I'm super nervous about being able to consistently produce podcast episodes and for those to, to go over well. But it's Kristen has educated me that career happiness is something when you start to feel aligned with things and the desires of your heart start to bubble up and you start to kind of feel them in your chest, you kind of feel it in your body that this is what I want to do. That's your signal that you are aligned and it is going to be safe to move forward, even though you might feel a little nervous about it. Kristen, I'm sure you've got more insight on this. No, you've said it perfectly. And it's, it's that gut check of, am I stepping out of my comfort zone for something I really, really want? And it's that combating the self mastery. That's what it is. You don't have mastery over it yet. You, if, if it's, if it's alignment in the way like um, your nervousness, but you have excitement around it and just knowing that mastery comes. And wait, what did you just say before? Start messy. Start ugly. Just start. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Just start. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be forever. If you try it, I would say give yourself in anything, give yourself three to six months because sometimes you'll just be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this after a week, but give yourself three to six months and see if the mastery starts to come, you know, that would be my tip. I love that self mastery. So Judy, yes, it sounds like you, you may be a little nervous, but you said you'd love to work from home. So take the first step, just do it. All right. We're getting a lot of how do you start if you don't have experience previously? And I think that goes back to our first question of the night when we started talking about Nunez's question about how to reframe the message that you've been out of the workforce or you don't have experience. So you start building it. Um, you know, not all of us can, you know, me included, I couldn't just quit my job and go in a direction I wanted to go. So I had to plan, you know, what I call an exit strategy. I'd love to get different words around that. I just haven't played with it yet, but I knew that I needed to start planning something. Um, and so while I was doing coaching indirectly in my current job, I really wanted to put the exclamation point on it. So I went and got certified while I was working. It felt, it was hard. It was, it was difficult, uh, not only to do the program, but to work, have kids, and go to school. For those of you that are doing it, I, I feel your pain. I know it. Um, but it was important to me. So I would say s start talking to people, start volunteering, and just try. You know, go out there and start seeing what you, if you already know what you like, um, then the trying is maybe not as big as, as the going and volunteering. So other things I was doing, in, in addition to school, I, I went to Fleet and Family. I said I'd really love to start coaching and training, uh, and they found that I could do that with service members who were transitioning out of the military, that that was a perfect place for my skill set to grow. You know, there was no money there, but it was great volunteering experience. And then as I did all of this, and I realized when I needed to quit my job, I didn't come out with no experience at that point. Like I had some experience. Maybe not everybody is in that position, but I was able to apply to jobs saying I had a year or two experience of coaching and that made a big difference. So start planning where you wanna be. If you have to take a job now that maybe isn't exactly where you want to be, make sure it's the values that you want, it's the skill sets you wanna grow, that it's in a line. I'm with like a big plan and then start working your way to where you want to go. I just want to add, we have a position on our job board right now for a virtual project coordinator, and there is no experience required for that position. So if you're looking to build work experience, go for it, go apply, go put yourself out there, <laughs> make sure you're packaged well. You know, we want to see a clean well-organized resume, a personal cover letter. And we want to hear, you know, who you are and, and learn things about you. But yeah, that's a great opportunity. So go for it. Okay, this one I think is from Kim. I can't see the name anymore because of the 
it's too far down in the thread, but uh, this, I think this is from Kim. I've been researching all day about trying to grow myself and get into the workforce again. I've pretty much done entrepreneur work, like working at home. I feel like homeschooling my kids for 10 years, traveling the globe and having small stints of work from home for family businesses that she doesn't really have, that I don't have the resume to sell myself. I have a bachelor's of science in management, but I can't seem to land a job to grow my future with. I see so many tech jobs, but I'm more interested in helping grow businesses. By researching and helping implement those changes for growth, how does one get those jobs with a thin resume? Hmm. I can't get to an interview. Oh, bummer. So I think what sticks out, and this is just my, my body tingle, uh, coach sense, but it sounds like if you've been in the homeschooling and uh, there's something around that family business you were saying, I wonder if you have a value around a little bit more intimate uh, companies and people and maybe start more locally with some of the with some of the organizations closer, maybe more family run businesses. I don't know. There's something there you can push back and say no, but that seems like a very comfortable space for you. Uh, so that's just something I want to offer. Is that seemed like it's a good, good segue. It it is about just talking to people, getting out there, doing the volunteering, and you know, if you aren't finding maybe what you need to find, or you want to utilize, I don't know if you want to utilize your masters. But talking to, again, that military spouse group with advanced degrees could be a great place if that's, if you do want to put your master's back into practice and or if you have changed from where you are from 10 years ago, look at where you are today and, and like do the gut check of where you want to go. It sounds like you have some clarity around it. So maybe back to the first question, reach out to your network, tell them that these are your interests you know, where, where would you recommend? And I don't know, there's something about the family that seems like it would be a good fit for you. I would add Kim. She says, I love small business. Package yourself as a small business administrator and niche your brand. So who is Kim? Kim is a small business administrator. She's going to help us with our strategy. Um, so, and target small businesses when you, when you're applying, when you're networking, you know, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to contact businesses that work virtually and ask them if you could do an internship program with them, especially if you feel that you're lacking in experience. Um, most companies will allow you to take a dynamite title and allow you to put that internship on your resume as work experience, especially if you already have a degree, you already have experience and they're not having to teach you every little thing, but rather they're taking you on as an opportunity to give you the kind of work experience that you need to get back into the workforce. I would also encourage you to look at startup organizations Stephanie, Narita, if you're watching this, will you please drop a link to the website where you find all of the startup organizations? I can't remember the name of the website, but there is a job site that hire helps you find positions that are just for startups. And typically, they're a little bit more lenient on who they hire. And then I also recommend the project coordinator position from the Vertforce job board, which does not require a lot of experience. And it can be a great way for you to get back into business. It can be a great way for you to start building up those skills and make more connections in your community. Okay, so I'm seeing more questions about how do I get experience? I'm going to skip these because I, I think we've spent a lot of time chatting about that. So I'm going to move on to the next one, which is... How do you keep from getting discouraged when you're pursuing your ideal career? Well, and sometimes you do, you do just get discouraged. I mean, like I said, you, you do all the things, you do all the networking, you want to keep the motion flowing. Um, you want to continually go out and network. And, you know, it's, 
it's very similar. I find that job searching, career searching is a lot like entrepreneurship. You could talk, you know, I could talk to so many clients in a week. I think one time I, I had a challenge from my coach to talk to 10 new people every day. And by the end of the week, I had talked to 50 people and I maybe had two clients. And, you know, but that's good. That's, you know, according to my coach, that's a good turnaround. So it's one of those, like, set a goal for yourself. I'm going to reach out to X number of people. And, you know, I, I even had to, I kept a spreadsheet. I kept a spreadsheet of who I talked to, what organization, what my ask was. Um, and it was really, that is how I had to have five paying clients to go through my certification. They wouldn't let you actually go through certification through my program unless you had five paying clients. And so that, that was very uh, nerve wracking to me because I didn't, I was like, how do I market and sell before I know what I'm doing? Um, but it's that keep the momentum going. I saw through that exercise that the more I reach out, the more I put out that it creates the momentum and that's what you want to do. Uh, as long as you can like at the end of the day, say I did everything I could do. You know, sometimes the jobs aren't there, you know, they just aren't there that day, but then you are putting it out there, what you're looking for so that when it does come, and I do find that in networking and, you know, Kimber, you can say the same, some, you can tell me if this is the same for you, but sometimes when I do connect with people, it does get like two to four months to really get it going, you know, just even to have a conversation, people are busy, you know, just things happen, but just yesterday, someone I talked to six months ago says, I think I have a referral for you. So it's it's just one of those things like you just keep it going. You keep the momentum, keep looking at the jobs, um, knowing that you're doing all you can do. Sometimes also that's like the purple unicorn. That's what I called it for myself. I wanted a good paying job part time with something I loved. And I just felt like it was a purple unicorn. I couldn't find it. I started getting very frustrated and I decided to go build it. So I do something I love every day. I um, have the hours I want. The money might not be where I was with my last job, but I only quit four months ago. So I can't expect this baby to crawl, you know, this crawling baby to walk and run. So it's, it's exercising the patience. And, you know, I'd rather actually have this passion and the flexibility over the money. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The money's still important. But, <laughs> but I understand it's going to take some time. So it just... Sometimes you have to build it. Sometimes it's not going to be one job. It might be diversifying your efforts. You know, it might be some contractual work here. It might be something over here. Just keep it open. Get very creative. That's what I ended up doing. Yeah, continue to build. And, and Daniel said it's the law of momentum. And I agree, Daniel. I, I absolutely believe it is. And so try my recommendation is to try not to focus on the negative and try not to focus on things not happening, but rather focus on things that you can make happen. Getting plugged in with your community, getting plugged in with Vertforce. You can even consider picking up some volunteer work. Uh, you can do that through Vertforce. You can do that through your local base. Focus on making connections and building things that are going to fulfill you, but also make make a nice impact on your resume. So if you're content, this is, this is called continual self-improvement. So if you're continuing to develop yourself, your future employer is going to see that. It's going to be evident in your personality when you show up to an interview. It's going to radiate out of you because you're, you're going to be raising your, your own expectations of yourself. You're going to be raising your own um, conception of who you are as a human being as you continue to improve upon yourself and give back to your community and, and be a servant leader within your within your network, within your family, that's going to show up in an interview with an employer and it's going to make you stand out more. Yes. And these things are volunteering, uh, taking internships, uh, taking some of these uh, organizational opportunities to volunteer and get involved and be a brand ambassador with a vert force or, or donate your time to different organizations. They translate to direct skills that will show up on your resume. So instead of focusing on not getting a job, focus on how you can improve yourself. And, and that's going to, to pay off in ways that you don't expect. So I'm, I'm a big believer in continual self-improvement. 
And I like what you did there, whether maybe you know or you don't, is you put the attachment not to the outcome of a job, but the attachment to yourself and who you want to be on the journey. That's a good point. The The attachment and what you're fixating on should definitely be you, you know, your, your mind, your spirit, you know, what is fulfilling you? How can you get there? And, and I wouldn't recommend equating your self-worth to whether you found the perfect opportunity or not. And I think that's where we allow ourselves to get let down. We kind of set the standard that, you know, I need this position and if I don't get it, then I've failed. And that's not the case at all. Correct. So Angie says, being a brand ambassador is so rewarding. I encourage everyone to apply if you're looking for volunteer experience. And then Kim says, so would you put volunteer internships under employment on your resume? It depends on the resume. Um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, my current resume lists the jobs that I I have that I don't really want to go into experience just to show jobs, but I focus more on the experience, you know, or what I do have to offer. I believe that's called, unless it's changed, a functional resume where you focus on the, on the skills and your strengths and you kind of list the jobs at the bottom, um, you know, and even volunteering. So focus on what, you know, on your strengths. I would say always yes, always, always, if this is my personal opinion, but if you had an internship, you you had a job, if you were doing work for a company um, and, and you had a title, I would say yes. So my answer, Kim, is yes. Kristen's answer is it sort of depends on your resume. But if you have a specific question, you can feel free to reach out if you have like a specific example. And the resume more as it aligns with what you want to do. Cause that's, I, if, if it got lost in translation, there's jobs that I've had that I would never want to highlight. Um, so if you have relevant experience in the direction you want to go, absolutely put it on your resume. If you're worried about it looking a certain way, there's always, you know, there's lots of ways we can do resumes, right? So, but definitely put it on there if you want to go in that direction. So Kristen, as we're wrapping up, do you want to share a little bit about the upcoming masterclass that we're going to do in a couple of weeks? The class that we're going to do is going to take a look at mindsets that don't serve you and basically creating self-awareness around when they are loud and they are happening and how to quiet them. Uh, because the thing is, is if we have a mindset that's not serving us, it's become habitual and you might not even know that you're saying, Oh, I'm so dumb. Oh, like I'm never going to get this job or, you know, whatever, you know, this so-and-so this, that, the other. So it's catching when you're saying that and how we break that cycle. All right. So that I believe that's it on our questions tonight. And Kim asked one final question, even if it is short lived. I think she's referencing the internship. Does it look bad if it's only a few months? Uh, no, I don't think it does look bad if it's only a few few months. And you can especially use the functional resume to completely drop the chronological order of things altogether, which just focuses on the position and the skills that you developed and used during that position. Would you agree, Kristen? Yes, absolutely. All right. Happy Tuesday. This was very enriching. Thank you so much for your time, Kristen. I really appreciate you taking an hour and, and a half, really, because of the technical mm -hmm. issues. And I had you for 30 minutes trying to work all that out. So thank you for taking the time to pour into the Vert Force community and give yourself to, to these military spouses and veterans and give them your advice. We really appreciate you. I just want to say thank you. I am full of gratitude to be here. I've enjoyed uh, talking with those of you who have set up sessions with me. I've enjoyed serving in any way I can for you all. Again, this is a huge value of mine. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for showing up and letting me be part of your journey. Absolutely. Kristen, well, for everyone who's watching, you can book a free consultation with Kristen. Uh, you can head over to vertforce.us slash career coaches, and uh, you'll see Kristen's booking link there. Kristen, how can people reach out to you just immediately if they have more questions for you? Where can they find you? 
Um, you can find me on my website, which is kristenerp.com. It's just K-R-I-S-T-E-N-E-A-R-P.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, same name. Um, I'm on VertForce, and my email is kristenmerp at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you, Kristen. All right. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Let's all go spend time with our families and have dinner and uh, have a wonderful evening. We'll be back on live later this week, and we will be back on live with Kristen next Tuesday, October 22nd. All right. Bye, everybody. All right, VertForce. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast. If you need to read the show notes, you can find those at vertforce.us. And finally, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or an idea for a new episode, email us at support at vertforce.us. Catch you next week.